What's up, nerds? And welcome back to your weekly movie review podcast. That's right, you are locked in and tuned in to the 3FM Podcast. And as always, we are coming to you from the 8122 Production Studios at Dragon Master Games. This week, we are celebrating our 300th episode of the 3FN Podcast by reviewing the Stephen King classic, Maximum Overdrive. That's right, it's going to be a lot of fun, folks. But before we get there, I'm your host, my name is Rich, and the nerds are all here. First of all, he is the man who, after seeing Maximum Overdrive, went and took all the electronics out of his house and is now, ladies and gentlemen, rolling around in a bedrock classic. That's right, from the Flintstones mobile. His feet are a little sore, but he made it all the way to the studio today. It's Ron. You know where to find the pictures. <laughs> I just want to point out, man, and, and this is not a shot, man. We would be perfect to play uh, Barney and Fred. Sure. I'm Perfect. good with it. We, we, we have the same, we have the body size for it. I'm good with it. And uh, last but not least, he is the man who doesn't need an introduction, yet he has the longest introduction in all of podcasting. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it's hashtag Big Natty Cool, hashtag Mad Dog Strong Style, hashtag Challenge Accepted, hashtag Diesel Malenko, because he's the man of a thousand and four hashtags. He is the leader of the Minnows Gang and is your favorite podcaster's favorite podcaster. He is the man, the myth, and the legend rolled into one jolly old ginger-bearded feller. It's Diesel. Unfortunately, life imitates art. I had an incident with my vibrating butt plug. <laughs> Maximum overdrive. <laughs> <laughs> well, I hope that's all uh, on the men's right now, sir, because you are sitting down. He, he is sitting. He hasn't squirmed, so he's good. There will be blood. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, well, we did not watch There Will Be Blood. Maybe someday. That was before. That, that's one of the ones that when it uh, comes up for an anniversary, we're yeah. definitely doing. Uh, so with that being said, though, before we dive into the 300th show and give you that great review, let's find out how everybody's been doing. Ron, how has been your week? Uh, it's been a long week. <laughs> long, long, long because of all the overtime and all that fun stuff. Made it through, uh, unfortunately, you know, at work during the week, normal stuff has to happen. So we had to go do a property clean out, and there's like 10 chickens behind this property. Oh, boy. <laughs> and Ooh, that's no, got to suck. Nobody's been there. Ooh, that's got to suck. So okay. I'm trying to figure out who to call to get, like, we called, you know, we've let people know, but nobody's come to get these chickens. <laughs> so, I, like, there's feed there, but there's running out of feed because oh, no. I'm the one that shows up, but you can't introduce them to a flock or anything because. What do chickens do when they get hungry and they don't have anything else to eat? Yep. They eat chicken eggs. Oh, boy. <laughs> so they are officially eating their own eggs, so you can't introduce them to a flock. Yep. So I got to figure that out on Monday or Tuesday. Ooh, that sounds rough. It was rough. But other than that, it's been that kind of week. Diesel, how's been your week? Uh, been a pretty mellow week. Uh, been taking it kind of slow with the double jobs, like only pulling a couple hours this week here at Dragon Master. Just been burnout and taking some time to recoup so that's been nice uh went back and watched an old season of survivor just binged that in like three days and here we are <laughs> well it's good to get you, see you're getting some rest of course uh, my week hasn't been too bad working and all that and of course uh, we did peek behind the curtain are recording early we're recording on saturday even though you guys are getting this on the normal day because i am celebrating my birthday that's right so uh that's coming up on monday but we're doing a little celebration here at uh, dragon master games and then on top of that uh, i'm going to new york to go see the knicks playing everything on my birthday so it's good times good times spending time with family so i'll let you guys know how that is next week because that hasn't happened yet so that's kind of the excitement of 
my life coming up. But uh, I hope everybody out there has had a great week. I hope you have a great upcoming week as well. And uh, before we can dive into the fun of the show, ladies and gentlemen, we have to hit you off with some business to pay them bills. We have to get you with those opening shameless plugs. And of course, if you would like to find out anything at all about the 3FN podcast, it's simple. Go to 3FNpodcast.com. There, you can find all the social media links. You can find the Public link. You can find the link to patreon.com. That's right, patreon.com slash 3FNpodcast to be exact. For as little as $1 a month, you get a ton of extra bonus content, plus you help support the show. On top of all of that, you can check out friends of the show like the ODPH Podcast. Go right over to their website. And of course, Nerd Initiative. Make sure you visit nerdinitiative.com, the home of pop culture positivity. And make sure you're subscribed to the uh, Nerd Initiative YouTube channel. Every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Ken M. brings you Turn a Page. They break down comic books. They do interviews with comic book uh, artists, writers. There's a whole lot of stuff going on and some big stuff in the works over there. So make sure you're tuning in Tuesday nights. And if you're a pro wrestling fan, turn on to the uh, uh, the YouTube channel for Nerd Initiative. Wow, I'm saying it backwards. Uh, and check out every every week Wrestling Night Live, Thursday nights at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Myself and Ken M. talking all things pro wrestling. You're going to want to join those conversations as well. On top of all of that, go to the musical directory and find out about the bands who allow us to use their music so we don't get hit with those dreaded DMCAs. And of course, we're going to give a big shout out to our good friend Shout at the Robots, whose song Fail Better is the theme song you hear every week before the 3FN podcast. So go check out Shout at the Robots and all the other great bands and support them on YouTube Music, Spotify, and Bandcamp. And last, but certainly not least, there is a sponsorship section. These are the fine folks who help us bring you this show each and every week, commercial free. So we're going to give them a quick shout out right now. First of all, our local sponsor here in the 607, that's right, Rex 2 Rods Auto Detailing. When you're ready to put the pride back in your ride, Diesel, who do you call? 607-644-3389. And uh, don't forget to tell them the 3FN Podcast sent you. Also, uh, if you want to know who has the energy sponsor of the 3FN Podcast, it's simple. Dubby Energy. Go to dubby.gg and use the promo code 3FNPOD. That's the number three. FNPOD for 10% off of every order. Thank you, Dubby Energy. Our good friends over at Sci-Fi Horror Fest. If you would like to find out about tickets, vendors, or who's going to be attending, make sure you visit SciFiHorrorFest.com. And last but not least, our main sponsor, Dragon Master Games. For all your Magic the Gathering and gaming needs, visit them on the World Wide Web, DragonMasterGames.com. And if you guys forget any of that, it's simple. Just remember, 3FNPodcast.com has got your hookup like Big Papa Pump. <laughs> and uh, speaking of Big Papa Pump, that Braun Breaker, his nephew there, sounds awful lot like Scott Steiner if you're a wrestling fan. If you know, you know. Well, I kind of explained already we're recording early, so that means there's going to be no Diesel's movie triple stuff this week because we're not soothsayers because if we were, we'd have, <laughs> we'd have a lot more money because we'd be winning the lotto and sporty, sports bets and everything else, so we don't know who's winning in the box office right now. Uh, I'm sure that uh, some of you are going to the theaters, but we, there is a movie that came out this week that our Ron, our good friend Ron here, went to go see, and that would be called The Beekeeper, starring Jason Statham, and uh, Ron... I'm going to turn it over to you, spoiler-free, so don't worry anybody at home. This will be spoiler-free. This is a recommendation. Thumbs up, thumbs in the middle, thumbs down, or why. Remember, spoiler-free. Ron, what did you think about The Beekeeper? I, I will say this. If you're a fan, and I know everybody's going to laugh when I say this, if you're a fan of like John Wick movies, the action on top of action movies, you're going to enjoy this movie. So give it a thumbs up. Go watch it. See it. It's actually entertaining. 
I know, I know. Diesel's already the over irony. There. The irony. <laughs> Diesel, why are we staring at Ron really weird and having to chat with him? If you're a fan of what movies, Ron? I said, if you're a fan of John Wick movies, and then you uh, you gave this movie a what? A thumbs up? Yes. Thereby, logic would concern. I'm not a fan of John Wick movies, though. I, I'm just trying to get it to, out to the. For, for, for anybody, for anybody who has been listening to this show for a while, and if you haven't, we'll bring you up to speed just real quickly. Ron hates the John Wick supposedly. Movies. Supposedly, I do hate the John Wick movies. I, I like how you put the supposedly there. And uh, movies or movie and picking all of them. Oh, you've seen them all? No, I saw. Oh. I stopped. At, I stopped that too. I did watch one. I did watch two. I did stop it too. And, and peeking behind the curtain in our chat, Ron sends a message after he sees the beekeeper and he says, "Hey guys, just so you know, it's a fun movie. If you want to go see it, you know, you know, go ahead. It's fun. It's action on action. Uh, if you like John Wick movies, you'll like this." And I instantly went, "But you don't like John Wick movies." So my thought process at first was that. Ron is trying to trick me into seeing another bad movie no. like Silent Night. No, 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 no. So, no. so I wouldn't do that to, to you. So, so he, with his words, he gave himself away with like a John Wick film because he hates John Wick. I know. I'm just saying. Or it's what Diesel said that you now have a tramp stamp for John Wick. <laughs> no, not even close. You got the Baba Yaga on your fucking entranceway. <laughs> oh, it's not on my entrance. Yeah. It's, it's it's in micro print in the, in the one little spot <laughs> on his ass cheeks. It says John Wick's property. <laughs> Like the movie itself is 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 a action on top of action movie. Um, it's it's gets you know it starts off you know a little slow. You already seen in the trailers. It's in the trailer. He, he's living on this farm. A lady will rent out the, the barn for him, and she gets scammed for all her money, and she kills herself because she just loses. Yeah. Her charity money that she was putting a charity together for students had like two million dollars in it, and this, you know, that whole call this number because your computer is all messed up to, you know, get it fixed. And they once they got access to the computer, they got access to the bank accounts, yeah. flush flush all the money out. So you find out he's a retired guy. Bee- he's that guy, <laughs> uh, retired beekeeper. You know, that's what the, that's the yeah. program. And he just goes, well, you, the only person that ever cared about me killed themselves, so now I go on a Rampage. Yep. So. Rampage. It's kind of so, like a revenge film meets, you know, it's like John Wick. Yeah. You're, yeah, John, you're wrong you know, the, dog, the dog dies, John Wick goes on a rampage. He, the, the lady dies, he goes on a rampage. The difference, a lot of the little differences is like he, like, he actually gets attacked on his home turf, and guess what happens? He kills them all. Unlike ah. John Wick, who gets his ass kicked by three so, no names. Hold so, on. What you're saying is that, so beekeeper greater than John Wick. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, when John Wick gets attacked in his own home, the dog is not an actual dog. The dog represents his return to a simpler time. And when they take that away from him is when he has to go on the murderous rampage. He's got nothing left. Yeah. But, why, but why wouldn't you just take care of them? Like, because he was like, still like the assassin a... that he's supposed to be, but he fucking sucks and he gets his he ass kicked by three. He, he was retired. So he... was the beekeeper. <laughs> he, he was in love with his life, with his simple life with his dog, and he wasn't ready to give that up until it was stripped away. He and should then have he still searched him fucking with the freaking asses, and then the movie would have been over, and he would have had the Russian well, I mean, battle. He, did. he just didn't win that round. He won yeah. the war, though. Yes, I was going to say, he definitely won the war. We can't argue he didn't win the war. I don't know. It's still going. I mean... It's not over yet. It's a, mean, they're going John Wick 5, people. Like, it's, the war's not over yet. I still wish they would have mixed it into the Matrix. I'm just throwing it out there. We found out John Wick was actually Neo. <laughs> I thought that was the best, like, adaptation. But anyways, yeah. I digress. The other thing is, like, the beekeeper doesn't use guns all the time. It's always more hand-to-hand combat. Well, yeah. It's just he uses, he yeah. uses honey. <laughs> he, there is a lot of bee references. 
Um, oh. And then the, I think the, you just turned Diesel yeah. off. The, the, there is a lot of B references. That that was the one thing that was hilarious through the movie because you're just like if you did a drinking game on the B references, <laughs> you'd probably be drunk by the end of it. Tone and I were all talking about that yeah. after the movie, which, which we found more hysterical than anything. Let's be let's be honest. Tone was intoxicated to begin with for this. Oh, movie. What, what wasn't intoxication? Well, it's, it's, it's still considered it's still considered intoxication. Yes, but he was, according mm-hmm. to the law of New York State, you <laughs> might have had a line too. Oh, <laughs> well, you're giving up way more than I would have given up. <laughs> Great segue for Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> that is how you do a segue, folks, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, Ron says, go see the beekeeper. Uh, we're going to get off of the beekeeper because it is now time to enter for the 300th episode. We are going to enter what, Diesel? I think it's going to be. Welcome to Three Movie Club. Okay. <laughs> Refreshments are available in the lobby. And please, keep our theater clean by disposing of trash in specified containers. And remember, gift certificates are available for any special occasion. Enjoy the show. That is right, it is now time for the 3FN Movie Club Review. And we've already said it. This is our 300th episode, and the only way we could do it is a movie that we've talked about a lot over the years, using it as an example of a bad movie that we actually are entertained by. So it's time to finally put our monies where our mouths are and review the movie. Ladies and gentlemen, for the 300th episode of the 3FN Podcast, your 3FN Movie Club review is Stephen King's Maximum Overdrive. And of course, uh, if you are new to the 3FN Podcast, thank you for tuning in, and you tuned in on a perfect time, the 300th episode. And uh, if you, uh, we'll give you now how it runs down when we do older films, because this movie, uh, Peek Behind the Curtain, is 38 years old. So we are going to peek behind the curtain here, and uh, when we do older movies, it's different than when we do newer movies. We always like to let people know who might have forgotten or anybody new, and if you are new, please listen to some of the other reviews and stay on board, because we got a big 2024 ahead. So uh, with that being said, what we're going to do is Diesel will be giving his synopsis first, followed by me giving you the stats of the movie, then we'll talk about who made the movie, who starred in the movie, and then we will end it with the spoiler full review, followed by the game, where we uh, find out the scores from around the internet in a fun way, and and then last but not least, our scores. Uh, the only difference is when we do new movies, we take a break, and then we do the spoiler full section separately and with warnings and everything. We will give you a brief warning, but since it's a 38-year-old film, we don't do the whole splitting up the show and everything because I don't think it's necessary for a 38-year-old film. Just throwing that out there. So with that being said, let's get the 3FN Movie Club started. And Diesel, since we're getting it started, I believe... Man, I got a story to tell. What Earth goes in between the comet's tail, this mysterious green comet's tail, suddenly all machineries gain sentience with the only plan of killing humans. A ragtag group of survivors must survive maximum overdrive. I love it. I love it. Of course, uh, a.k.a. cocaine the movie. We'll get to that word <laughs> in a minute. Uh, with that being said, uh, let's talk about the stats before we get into that. And uh, this is going to be, it was released on July 25th of 1986 with a runtime of 98 minutes. So an hour and 38, so not too bad. The budget 
for this film was estimated at $10 million. And it grossed worldwide is the same as the U.S. because it was only released in U.S. and Canada in the theaters. So the, all of the numbers are the same, $7.4 million. So it came up short, but pretty fucking close. $100 million. <laughs> I want to point out, I do think this movie did well in the secondary market. Now, I got to give one warning before we dive into this movie. There's gonna, I got one warning and one warning only. Uh, I know that some people don't like sounders throughout shows. I'm sorry, but we have to use a specific sounder throughout the show because it is warranted. So, a lot of times in this movie, and it's the, the director of this film, which is his only movie that he ever directed, we'll get to that in a second, had admitted during, a, you know, that this was during his the height of his cocaine addiction. So, there's a lot of things that don't make sense in this movie, and it will be chalked up to cocaine. And uh, so, when we can't uh, explain something, you might just hear this. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. You know what I mean? I think that just enables the fact that cocaine is a hell of a drug. So, that's how we're going to chalk things up. So, without further ado, though, let's find out in real time. Who made this shit? And of course, that director, who only directed one film, is a legendary writer who has written some of the greatest novels in the history of man. I'm going to be honest. Yeah. Probably, if he isn't the greatest horror novelist of all time, he's at least in the top three. I would say he's got to be number one. Yeah. Even if you don't, re you have to respect the man's work. And of course, I'm talking about Richard Bachman, a.k.a. Stephen King. By the way, this is the only movie Stephen King ever directed. That's right. Ladies and gentlemen, he has never directed a movie since. He never directed a movie before. <laughs> we can see why. <laughs> so I think this is even funnier because the writer of this film, obviously, is also Stephen King. Stephen King has written a bunch of books that have become movies. It, Pet Cemetery, Christine. We just did Christine recently. Uh, the Shining, et cetera, Cujo, et cetera. Misery, we, we could go on. Everything. We could go on, right? However, he's never really done the screen adaptations for most of those. Those have been done by somebody else. So this movie, he wrote the, the the basis of it, which was a short story, which we're going to get to in one second. And then he wrote the screen adaptation of this as well. And he had to have because most people don't know this, but the story of Maximum Overdrive was a short story that literally was, I do believe, a page and a half. Yeah, <laughs> I, I do believe it was a hundred. It was less than a hundred. It was like a hundred words or hundred fifty words. I, yeah, it wasn't long. Yeah. That is what this movie is based off. And somehow he got an hour and almost 40 minute movie out of it, which uh, going by the math, that doesn't work so well. I mean, it's, it's just like cocaine. Sometimes you got to step on it, make it last longer. <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug. There you go. There's the first one. All right. So next up, we're going to talk about the director of photography, and that would be Armando Nan Nanuzzi. And Armando Nanuzzi has done some work, man. He is uh, he directed, or sorry, he's the DP, sorry, the director of photography on such movies like Sandra, Waterloo, uh, The Young Husband, a lot of Italian stuff, yeah. by the way. And, and he would go back to Italy to do more of this. This was technically his biggest film that he ever did worldwide, though, by the way, Maximum Overdrive. Unfortunately, Armando uh, passed away in uh, May 14th of 2001 at the age of 75. So this is kind of his uh, magnum opus, if you will. And the composer of this film, ladies and gentlemen, I know Ron knows the composer. Ron, who was the composer of this film? It's a little band from Australia. ACDC? That is right. ACDC is listed as the composer of this film because <laughs> all the music at Maximum Overdrive is from ACDC. And the fun story behind that is, is that Stephen King used the fact that he is Stephen King to get a deal 
with ACDC to use basically what would be considered a greatest hits album as the soundtrack to Maximum Overdrive. So you hear a lot of ACDC. You hear Hell's Bells. You hear For Those Who Like to Rock. You hear... uh, There's a ton of... Like, I I don't... I can't even keep track. I think Thunderstruck is at one point in juncture in the movie. Like, I've lost track. It's just like a who's who of ACDC songs up until 1986. Although the movie does take place in 1987, I want to point out, which is ironic enough. So, yeah, ACDC is also listed as your composers. Not somebody else. Not that they were just on the soundtrack but the composers as well. So now that we know who made the movie, now that we know who was the composer of the movie as well, it is now time to find out who the actors who starred in this movie were. For the love of God, will someone please punch me in the face so I can see some scars? And I want to point out, this might be the first time that that is actually 100% correct. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The first person that starred in this movie, by the way, and you know him, and I want to let Ron give him the, the best shout out that he can, playing the role of Bill Robinson, who would have was playing that role? Ron. Emilio! That's right. Emilio Estevez as Bill Robinson. Uh, you know Emilio. We're not going to do deep dives on everybody, on anybody actually on the show. But you know Emilio Estevez from the Young Guns franchise where he played that Billy the Kid. You also know him as the man who is Gordon Bombay, the greatest hockey coach of all time in the Mighty Ducks franchise. Not all the movies, but uh, the first couple plus the first season of the TV show. Yep. Uh, he was in a lot of things. Like, let's be honest. At one point, of course, he's in The Breakfast Club, one of the greatest uh, teen movies of all time, if you will. epic movie, Men at Work. I was going to say, I'll save that for Ron. <laughs> uh, Diesel, you want to give him a shout out for any movie that uh, I missed? That uh, Once again, he's been in a ton of shit. Oh, yeah, he's been in a ton of stuff. Charlie Sheen's brother. He, he is, he, I would say Hollywood royalty. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. So next up, playing the role of Hendershot was Pat Hingle. Uh, Pat Hingle is a legendary, let's be honest, legendary character actor. I know Diesel knows this for a fact. Uh, he made his he made his bones in the Western world. He was in Hang 'Em High. Uh, later on, he would return to that world in The Quick and the Dead. But you know where most of us know him from in pop culture? He was the commissioner, the original Commissioner Gordon from Batman 89 all the way through the Batman and Robin film. So if you remember Commissioner Gordon from those movies, that is who Pat Hingle is. And of course, like I said, he would be the I don't know villain if you will if you count him outside of the aliens the the human villain or the human asshole of this movie right is that how you would explain him Diesel um he was just a a savvy businessman trying to capitalize on all potential profits there was nothing wrong with him Uh, true (laughs) Uh, so next up playing Diesel's love interest of this movie, Brett, <laughs> is Laura Harrington. Uh, Lauren Harrington, well, technically, she was Emilio Estevez's uh, love interest in this. Uh, you might remember her from such great movies as The Adventures of Buckaroo Banzai, Polly, you remember the one with the bird, and What's Eating Gilbert Grape. She was in that as Amy Grape. Okay. So she was the, the sister in, in What's Eating Gilbert oh. Grape. Uh, of course, Maximum Overdrive, she's also known for. Uh, Diesel, Is did she make the needle move for you? Uh, the needle moves slightly, but not compared to another star of this movie. Oh, yes. That would be uh, playing Connie. That would be Yurtley Smith. And, of course, Yurtley Smith, you might not know her from her roles in movies, per se. You've but definitely you, seen her name. But she was probably the most famous person in this entire movie. Because she is the voice of Lisa Simpson from 1989 till present day, the voice of Lisa Simpson, Yardley Smith. It was interesting to see her in this movie, though. She has done some some real-life roles as well, but 
that is where she's most known from, and uh, she definitely uh, she Diesel. Was it the uh, the bitching? Was it the aggravating voice, or was it? Did she just thought it was, she was a sex symbol? I don't know what it was, <laughs> but the the character herself was very annoying, nagging, and for whatever reason, it got the blood flowing. Yearly <laughs> <laughs> Smith can get it. <laughs> Speaking of which, her husband in this movie, Kurt, played by John Short, uh, you would know him from a lot of character roles as well. He was the uh, tiny Who Man in How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the Jim Carrey version. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks, he was in that, and also Apollo 13. Yep. Uh, no real starring roles, but a lot of background roles. Uh, awesome actor here. Here's another person that Diesel, lo- Diesel loved in this movie, playing the role of Wanda June, Ellen McElduff. And uh, Ellen McElduff, uh, you would know her from uh, Little Man Tate, uh, Working Girls. And she was uh, Jean Hill in JFK, which is pretty awesome. And she's also been on uh, some Law & Order, amongst other things. Uh, Diesel, how are you feeling about that character? (laughs) A little over the top for me. We'll get into it later. But overall, she was fine. But some of her delivery was over the top. <laughs> over the top, you said? Did you turn your head backwards? Did you turn the thumb? Uh, next up, J.C. Quinn played the role of Duncan. J.C. Quinn, you might you might have recognized him from his face, although it was a little weird in this movie because you couldn't see him as well. He was uh, also in The Abyss, The Prophecy, and Days of Thunder. So he's been in a lot of big movies, always a character guy. Unfortunately, we lost him on February 10th of 2004 at the age of 63. Uh, He was a lot of fun in this movie. Uh, Christopher Rennie played Camp Lohman. Camp Lohman was, of course, the the Bible salesman in this uh, (laughs) movie. Uh, But you remember, I know you'll remember him particularly, Diesel, from Barton Fink. Yep. He was in Barton Fink. He was also in uh, Remember When and uh, The Taking of Pelham uh, 123 back in uh, back in the day. The original. Uh, he's been in a ton of stuff. You'll recognize his face as soon as you see him. And uh, I got to give another huge shout out uh, to Frankie Faison, who uh, plays Randy in this movie. Uh, but uh, you might know him from Coming to America, Do the Right Thing, White Chicks. Uh, Adam Harlan, by the way, in White Chicks, he was the chief of police there. Yep. And I don't know if he was the, the father of uh, the other Faison, but who knows? Maybe. Maybe. But I loved him in this movie. Yeah. And every time I saw him, I kept thinking. Also, most recently, he was in that uh, Till movie. Okay. okay. So so if you, have, if, you re- if you know who he is, you've seen him in a ton of stuff. He's a tremendous actor. That's why I wanted to give him a quick shout out here. And we only have, uh, we have another one that I think you're going to be very excited about. Did you notice... In the scene, one of the scenes, and we're gonna we're gonna go back to it because I know we're gonna talk about it. But there was the scene in the little arcade where the guy gets killed. Yeah. Do you know who that gentleman was? No. That gentleman was a very young Giancarlo Esposito. No shit. Yes. yes. That's Giancarlo. <laughs> Giancarlo or Giancarlo? Technically, I do believe it's pronounced Giancarlo because, um, as a Yankees fan, I keep getting told that because it's Giancarlo Stanton. So Giancarlo went to Zito, uh, the usual suspects, Breaking Bad, yep. uh, the Jungle Book live action, Do the Right Thing. Yep. By the nice. way, he was bugging out and Do the Right Thing. How great was that? <laughs> uh, on top of this, like, dude, he the the Mandalorian. Yeah, uh, we we know and we love us some Giancarlo Esposito. I I didn't think uh, anybody caught on to that. Yeah, I did not recognize. No, I didn't him. pay attention. So remember, Ooh. remember some of the people who got murdered fodder-wise. The former Mrs. Trump, Marla Maples, was one of them. <laughs> she was just listed as second woman. But remember how there was people who we, we saw yeah. dead in the streets. That she was one of them. So this is how much people went in. There was like some really big cameos of people we didn't know. 
at the time that we would later go on to know, like uh, Leon Rippey was in the movie who plays Brad. And when you see his face, you know you you know him from Eight Legged Freak, Stargate, yeah. uh, Deadwood, The Patriot. Uh, he's he's when you see him, you you know. Look at like I'm showing Diesel a picture. If you guys look up the picture, of him, oh yeah, yeah. Once you see him, yeah. you know exactly who he is uh, because Leon Rippey has been in a ton of things. So there's like this wealth of people. And of course, in the beginning of the movie, there's a big cameo by the director himself, Stephen King makes a cameo. <laughs> and uh, we'll talk about that when we get into the movie. But hey, this movie has some star power, but like it's all character actor star power in my yeah. opinion. But except for Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah, Diesel. Could you believe that that guy in the <laughs> arcade was Giancarlo Esposito? Super, super cool. So with that being said, that is going to do it for who starred in the movie, who, uh, you know, who made the movie and stuff. So now it's time to move on to the spoiler full review. Of course, we're not going to take a break, as I already pointed out. But if you haven't seen 1986's Maximum Overdrive and you don't want it spoiled, newsflash, I don't think you can spoil this film. <laughs> Therefore, this is the time for you to stop the podcast. Come back after you've seen it. It is on Amazon Prime Video. Uh, trust me, it is worth the four ninety nine to own. Yeah, I, I did the same thing. <laughs> I mean, it's like three nineteen to rent, four ninety nine to own. Yeah, I'm going to own it because I'm going to watch this. I watched this some bitch. I love this movie. <laughs> uh, also, you can find it on. Uh, there's a steel book that's on Walmart if you want to go buy that. There's a whole bunch of stuff you can get it. But anyways, watch it. Come back and then listen if you really want to. I think you're safe even if you've never seen the movie. Maybe this will sell you on seeing the movie even. So with that being said, let's jump into the spoiler full. And as uh, for anybody who's new and for those who need a reminder, the way we do it is we kind of go over the skeleton of the movie. This one we might jump a little more in depth with just because it's fun. And then uh, we go for our likes and dislikes before going into the game and our scores. So let's start. So the beginning of this movie, they do uh, we get to see that there is a comet passing through Earth. And we're going to be stuck in this comet's cloud for, and by the way, very specific. Eight, it was like eight days, 23 hours, yeah. uh, 44 minutes and 80 yeah, or 33 yeah. seconds or something. I didn't yeah. write it down. But it was like very fucking specific. And once, once I saw how specific it was, I instantly knew. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Because <laughs> nobody gets that specific. But it, uh, also, by the way, the comic's, na comics name was Rhea M. The only reason I remember that is Rhea Ripley in the WWE. Yes, I'm a wrestling mark. So <laughs> as soon as I saw it, I was like, this is my brutality. And I'm like, all right, this movie got, got even better. So I forgot about the opening scene, Ron. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so the first thing is that this, this goes by and we get the opening scene and we're just outside of a bank. And the first thing you see is the little bank. It has like, mind you, this is 86. Yeah. So like at the time, you know, those little scrolling yeah. uh, electric boards were all yep. on the bus. You know, you first see it, it's like the first bank of Williamton because it takes place in Williamton, North Carolina. Yep. And as it goes by, it's like, it says that. And then all of a sudden it just changes to fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Which fuck was hilarious. you. <laughs> and then... We get our cameo from the director of this film, the legendary writer Stephen King, and he's trying to take money out of the ATM. And when he goes to take money out of the ATM, what does the ATM say to him when he puts the card in? Ron. You are an asshole. And uh, then what is the response that, that he says, Diesel, because this is great. He yells off back to his wife. This machine's calling me an asshole. It's like, honey, honey, get over here. This machine just called me an asshole. And at this point in juncture, it's just this asshole, 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 <laughs> across the whole screen. So you're like, that's where you get to know that there's something wrong here. So they start to show you like these little things as as we go through. So, you know, uh, I'm going out of order. Of course, we're not going to go in direct order always. Uh, but like we get the, the infamous scene at the ballpark where the team wins the game and the coach is going to go buy all the boys sodas. And he puts the coins in, the machine's not working, and then all 
all of a sudden it shoots a can into his dick. Then he leans down and shoots it into his chest. And then boom, he's all the way down and hits him in the head. And then other kids come over to try to help and it, it kills a couple kids uh, with the trajectory. And of course, the one kid that we meet, uh, Duncan, he is, uh, or no, sorry, Duncan's son, uh, he is, he's the only smart kid. And he puts the, 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 the uh, old school catcher's mask over his face. But he's also not that smart. And the reason why is clearly on the ground the coach is dead am i wrong he's got a big gash out of his head he wanted to make sure he's like coach come on move coach (laughs) coach is fucking dead coach is dead coach was dead and you see a big like part of his skull indented oh yeah it's only in the 80s too hey kids great practice let's go get a soda (laughs) so on top of all of this uh we also see some kid get knocked off his bike by like i think it was like the automatic pitch machine and then uh some other kid is uh, that kid that gets knocked off his bike then gets rolled over by a steamroller that comes out of nowhere (laughs) and uh, and our and our our child hero gets out of the way we'll call him the child hero at this point juncture uh, so then we uh, finally get to see the truck stop for the first time and some trucks are pulled over and we get to learn all about, you know, uh, Hendershot, who they call Bubba. So we'll call him Bubba for the rest of the movie. Uh, so we here to learn about Bubba and, of course, our hero, Bill Robinson, played by Emilio Estevez. And we find out that uh, Bill is a former, it was a felon. He just got out of prison and he basically is being extorted by his boss yes. Bubba because he says you're going to work nine hour days but you're only going to clock in freight yeah. yeah and then when he's like no I'm not going to do that he goes okay that's alright I'll just call I'll just call the prison and tell him you know take you back yeah. alright college boy you want to play it that way we're, we're, we'll we'll send you back to the North Carolina penitentiary system yeah yes. <laughs> so and then we learn really quick as he's going through all the time cards they all have a star on him signifying that those are also yeah, past yeah. felons so yeah. this guy is just making a little extra buck by getting some free labor from you know the prison release system you got Smart. to you got to do something so at this time, point in time, we find out because we go into the car where Brett, the female girl, is riding in with the Bible salesman, who's a little bit pervy for a, for a man of God. No one says he's a man of God. He's just a Bible salesman. There's a difference. True story. But he tries to sell himself as a man of God. We learn real quick he's not that. So he's getting very pervy in the car, which is being turned on. But she hears on the radio, before the radio goes dead, that uh, appliances and electronics and stuff are coming to life and wreaking havoc on society. This is one of my uh, first mini gripes with the movie is, all right, I understand you got to get the exposition out there of what's going on, but when it's technology that's killing people, you shouldn't, we, the viewer, should not be getting our information from technology in the movie. Oh, yeah. Not to mention they're in a car. We're, we're going to get to that <laughs> later, okay? But Diesel, once again, for our second time. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Moving along, uh, we end up they end up at the truck stop as well. And that's when we finally get something that happens at the truck stop. And that would be that the waitress, Wanda, is uh, taking over for the eggs while the meeting is going on with Bubba and Bill. And uh, there she's being hassled by the truck driver customers. <laughs> and she is as she's doing it, she gets her arm a little too close to the electronic carver and the carver decides to take a chunk out of her arm yeah it just it just came up and took a nip at her and by the way before bill even knows what's going on he he, he bashes the shit out that carver with a hammer 
So, I mean, he didn't even know when he was just taking out his anger. Mm -hmm. So now we're getting spicier. The movie's getting spicier. Like I said, we're skipping around. We don't go exact order. Uh, because at this point, Juncture, our young hero, the, the, the young child, is riding his bike and trying to get away from this. And we get to hellscape that is life. We get somebody lying in a yard that was killed by their lawnmower. I think a couple of the people were killed by their headphones. Yeah. 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 Did, yeah. Blood, did, did I miss over that? Yeah, blood was leaking out their ears. So yeah, the so a couple people were killed. killed by headphones. There's people killed by their cars. Yeah. All sorts of crazy shit going on, right? And there's a, in my favorite part, there is a ice cream truck just roaming yeah. like patrol in the neighborhood. <laughs> Trying to get kids to come out. <laughs> Got the ice cream music playing, nobody driving that bitch. And of course, our, our young man is smart enough to hide, but what were you yeah. going to say, Ron? Oh, like there's one lady, window open, hanging out the window, and was killed by a hairdryer. Oh, yeah, that's don't, right. Don't, yeah. Don't, don't know how that happened, but. Nobody knows. <laughs> uh, I will say, too, this scene is really cool, like actually technically how it's shot because we see the kid riding and all the sprinklers going off behind him like and like turning back on and off and it's like really cool how they filmed it or you know like they're watching him so i just yeah when we're in this movie anytime there's a actually technically sound shot i want to shout it out because oh boy <laughs> so he hides a couple times of course one time a lawnmower tries to like give up his position and stuff but anyways he continues on this is going to be a little journey of him to the truck stop because uh, later on, we'll skip ahead. Later on, he kind of passes by some stuff on the highway. He's, the kid is always smart enough to hide and get out of the way, so you got to give him credit for that, right? So now we also get introduced to our newlyweds. That would be Kurt and his wife Connie, played by Yardley Smith and John Short, you know, by both. And uh, they are running low on gas. Now, they are lovebirds. They, they, you can tell they are truly in love. They're truly on their honeymoon. They truly just got married. <laughs> they just got married. <laughs> And as they, they just got married stuff, it's on their car. Yep. So they pull in because they're running out of gas. So they, they you know, they're low on gas. I said, not running out. They're, they're low on gas. So they pull into a gas station. And, and Connie's got a pee, to which her husband goes, can I watch? <laughs> and that turned Diesel on. <laughs> oh, Diesel got real turned out. He's like, oh, man, she's a goer. She's a fucking goer, she said. Oh, yes. she kind of like slapped him and was like, ah, quit being silly. But he, right. he, was, he was a man after my own heart. <laughs> so when they pull in, what do they notice, Ron? They notice that uh, th there's uh, a dead the the attendant. attendant is dead. Yeah, yeah. sorry, I couldn't remember. The, if it was the, now, mind you, the main plot of the movie is taking place at this one gas station. This is at another gas yeah, station, yeah. like tow shop. Yeah, yeah. So this guy got fucked up. We don't see how he died. No, he, he's just, he's just he did. He did. By the way, honey, is he dead? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Her annoying voice. Oh, her annoying you show voice. Your <laughs> <laughs> see, Diesel really likes that. Like, it was <laughs> annoying and crazy as Diesel's Alley, baby. So. So, is he dead? By, by the way, somehow his blood is smeared on a fucking uh, clock that's like 20 feet in the air. No, no explanation. Nobody cares. Like, yeah. the guy is dead. So in the meantime, he's like looking at this guy, and all of a sudden, a tow truck comes just, around the corner. We see a wrecker coming around. So he's like the guy, like any of us, you know, he's like, hey, uh, you know, Kurt's like, hey, I... Come, come help, help. You know, help. Maybe the guy works trying to help over here. And the truck guy decides to try to run his ass over. <laughs> and that's when we realize there ain't nobody in the damn truck. No. There ain't nobody in the truck, Diesel. Luckily, the woman of my dreams had enough foresight to scoot over to the driver's seat <laughs> and have him jump in. And she takes off like a bat out of hell. Yeah. <laughs> so now we go back to our, our to the what the location for the most of the movie is going to be. And that is that truck stop. And we get the first death, the real death in the truck stop. And that would be in the game room. 
<laughs> so there's an arcade, and we found out that the actor was Giancarlo Esposito, <laughs> which is fucking amazing in its own. But there's this guy that's in the game room playing games, and all of a sudden shit goes wonky. So now, like the the vending machine is just giving out all the vendings, or the cigarette the machine, the cigarette old school is, and this dude is loading up. Because why? I would do the same thing, even he's, if I don't want it. I'm loading up. Why? Why? You just give it away free, dude. He's just sitting there watching. Like the pinball machine is just playing pinball by itself, and he just looks at it like. Fuck you. <laughs> but hey, he gets to collect all this stuff. But in the meantime, after he collects all this stuff, he looks over at one of the video games and there's this like trancing like thing going on with the video game. And it draws him in. By the way, this is the only time we see this, which is kind of weird, but it draws him in. And uh, what happens to our good friend, Diesel, in the arcade? Oh, I forget what exactly happened. He, with t- he touches the, the cabinet and it fucking oh, it electrocutes him. Yeah. And uh, here's another cocaine moment. What are arcade cabinets made out of, Ron? Wood. What does wood not do, Ron? It is not conducted by electricity. Yeah, so he touches the wood <laughs> cabinet and gets fried by the machine. Well, yeah, well, the button's right there, and plastic also doesn't, but maybe it shot off. Now we're, we're trying to wait too long to make this work. <laughs> Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Yeah, nobody was looking at that oversight. But anyways, he did, so he's dead. And in the meantime, uh, one of the attendants, which would be Duncan, goes out to uh, fill up a truck, and as he's filling the truck, the pump stops. So for whatever reason, this guy thinks that, oh, maybe there's something stuck in the pump. And he's like looking at the pump and he's looking at fucking the pump. He's, he's, a, he's a mechanic. Rule number one, don't look at it. Yeah, he looks right in the hole and it shoots gas in his face. By the way, it, it looked like oil and not gas. Yeah. And I know what diesel fuel looks like. It don't look like No, that. they just wanted to show that it was something. Well, yeah. you know what it was? I also think they wanted something viscous that you could see hit his face yeah. because gasoline doesn't look yeah. that viscous. Yeah. So I think that they were going for the look. So we're going to give him a pass on the cocaine here. Uh, but anyways, it burns his eyes. He doesn't die, but he burns the fuck out of his eyes. And so now we have weird shit going on at the truck stop. Now, in the meantime... Uh, we go back to our newlyweds, and they are on the run from their life because they're on the highway. First of all, they see a plane fly overhead, <laughs> which is flying aside. By the way, Fl- Flight of the Valkyries is playing in this plane very loudly, which I thought was hilarious because you could audibly hear Flight of the Valkyries. Yes. And then also, as they're going, they notice that all these trucks are headed in the other direction. And she's like, "Where do you think they're going?" And he's like. I don't know. Maybe Greensboro? Maybe Charlotte? I don't know. Mind you, there's nobody driving these trucks. And they are driving along, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, this other big truck decides to try to take them out. And now we get this good chase action. And of course, Kurt is the worst wheel man of all fucking times. Although, I'll give him credit, he does juke that truck enough that the truck crashes and burns. Uh, also, let's be honest, they did one of the tropes, and I'm not going to give them shit for this, because this happens in a lot of them. They did one of those tropes from the 70s, specifically and then into the 80s where the the truck is already on fire when it leaps in the air yeah, yeah. like it's not even crashing anything it's already on fire that's just something that happened with cars and explosions <laughs> back especially in the 70s and 80s let's be honest so uh i'm not going to give them a cocaine as a hell of a drug for that because that's just something that happened in that era for some fucking reason well you don't need to give it for that but as technology and things with motors are trying to kill them and they are escaping a <laughs> semi truck in a motor vehicle yeah. <laughs> eh. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Once again, the rules of this movie are weird because there is people who are operating different electronics, including cars, and they never have a problem. Although other things are alive, and we'll get to uh, like some of the other things that come to life later that don't make sense, obviously. <laughs> So they go, they, they uh, we'll, we'll make a long story short because we already talked about the young boy kind of getting by because that kind of happened at the same time. And they are get, they get to the spot. And I think it's funny, the di- line of dialogue at the fucking people inside the truck stop. 
those are some crazy sons of bitches right there. <laughs> now, mind you, in the meantime, uh, the, the one truck came to life and killed Duncan. Uh, by the way, when a truck runs you over, you have time to just step to the fucking side. <laughs> Somehow he just goes, ah, and then... And then ran over. I get it. It's a movie. The logic is still. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> but, but the same point of the matter is like, it's an easy sidestep. Like literally a fucking sidestep. Yeah. So at this point in juncture, Bubba goes fucking ape shit. And he, he blows up a couple trucks with a rocket launcher. <laughs> Where'd you get that? There's a whole bunch of this stuff. Hush. Shut your mouth. Shut, Shut your, your mouth, mouth. Joey. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, because yeah, we find out he's got quite the arsenal in the basement. Yeah, we, okay. we find out he has quite the arsenal in the basement, and his little uh, helper there that constantly gets put down reveals this in one of the best bathroom scenes of all time. <laughs> yeah, well, by, by the way, <laughs> let's skip to that real quick just for fun, because this happens after, but motherfucker is taking a shit in the bathroom, and Emilio Estevez goes up, takes a piss, and he's talking to him, and then he just leans over the top. Because listen, the guy, and we know he's dropping a load because the sound effects are that of a load, dude. Like, you hear the squ- splash. You hear him grunting in between. Like, he's taking a shit, and this dude just looks over the top like, hey. Come on, buddy. We got, we got to, you got to give us some of this information that we need. By the way, scariest <laughs> moment of that movie, because I've always feared somebody looking in over the top while I'm taking a shit. Like, please don't. <laughs> Quick tangent. So yesterday I'm at work and I'm taking a shit. All of a sudden I keep hearing this knock. I look up and there's a big window on top of the thing because it's facing the, the wall that's towards the road. And this just happened to be the time that the maintenance guy decided to take a broom and get down all the cobwebs on the outside. Oh. And, th- and I'm just like, well, thank God I'm already here because I just shit myself. <laughs> <laughs> just see a broom hit the thing and then all of a sudden the squeegee and was like, well, thank God he's not like on a ladder looking down because he would not enjoy that view. He's <laughs> got a bird's eye view on you, brother. Uh, anyways, uh, so going back to the movie, though, <laughs> that was pretty funny. Going back to the movie, uh, the two lovebirds decide that they're going to try to gun-ho, gun for it. And they end up getting clipped by a truck and it flips the car. Of course, she's bitching the entire time. And, You're not uh, going to make it! Emilio! <laughs> to the rescue. Yeah, because in the meantime, the trucks have just started circling. For no fucking reason. Well, no, no, no. They're, they're isolating the, the, the truck stop, they're, but they're circling. But Curtis, who has no idea what's going on, just knows that they've tried to been run over by a truck already, sees, sees an opening, sees a gap. He's like, I can make that gap. Yeah, going three <laughs> miles an hour. So in the meantime, uh, when the first time that the uh, truck starts up, the 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 uh, Green Goblin truck, the famous truck yeah. for the movie. At the same time it starts up uh, earlier in the movie, Emilio Estevez goes out to investigate. At this point, you know the sleazy guy with the Bible and his passenger Brett have showed up at the thing. So all of a sudden, Brett comes out and starts talking to uh, Emilio Estevez's character Bill. <laughs> and we're sitting here going, first of all, she's wearing something different than she was wearing in the car. So this has got to be made a point of. And secondly, it's like. It's established quickly they don't know each other, but yeah, she came out and talked to him like she did know him. Yeah. Like the conversation, that first conversation sounds like between two people, like I thought they worked together or something. But I'm like, no, it's the girl from the car. How does that make any sense? Complete stranger. This is her only time being in this town. She's hitching a ride down to Florida, I believe. And this is their first meeting. And they're taking a shine to each other mighty quickly. And the reason why I skipped over this and I, you know, it was just kind of a skip over is that Green Goblin truck 
hits the truck of the creepy guy there's his new car hits his car and he goes out and he ends up getting backed into and knocked into a ravine and we think he's dead so this all happens after that and then the next thing you know they're talking and the next scene we see between them after they save the, the couple is brett's in the bathroom getting changed mind you you don't see anything in this movie now the one thing that you would think that you would see in, in, a, in a horror <laughs> flick from stephen king would be some nudity but no uh, so she's changing in the room. You do get to see some skin, but she's changing in the room. And Diesel, what is her reasoning for changing? She needs to get the stench off that creepy Bible salesman off of her. Who's now dead. <laughs> Who's dead. <laughs> and who they think's dead. And she had already changed since he had tried to take his fare for the hitch. <laughs> <laughs> so we have that going on. And then very shortly after that. They have this whole conversation about things happening, and he gives her the corniest line of all time. If I put my arm around you, are you going to stick me with that thing? She's like, well, you don't really stick people with a razor blade. You kind of like slash. <laughs> and it was that part I was like, that's funny. Yeah. And she goes, yeah. So they, they, they embrace, and then hard cut, right, Diesel? What's the next? What happens right after the hard cut? Was that when they... They're in bed together. Yeah, yeah they're they already, just finished. They had just finished coitus. And she is remarking at his skills as a lover. Yeah. By the way, it goes from, we're hugging each other because we're in a fucked up situation. Hard cut. Like, literally the <laughs> hardest cut of all time. In bed, which apparently he was just staying there. In bed, and she is just in a lover's glow. <laughs> so we get to the nighttime, and... Uh, he had a lot of practice in prison. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I looked at the size of Emilio Estevez and decided he was probably the one, uh, uh, the catcher, not the pitcher. <laughs> so we get to this whole thing, and at nighttime, we fucking hear the salesman yelling from the, 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 the ditch. ditch. At the same time, the young boy is trying, he has now gotten into like a sewer drainage pipe to kind of crawl across the street. And that is when Kurt and Bill decide, hey, we're going to go be heroes and save this fucking asshole who's a creeper in the ditch. So, Diesel, they climb down a sewer drain in the shower house and they go through, but now mind you, this scene could have been completely cut from the movie, except there's an epic part where like, at one point in juncture, Bill kind of falls a little bit and he gets the water. And right before that, Kurt's going, you know, people probably peed in this water because you pee in this. Like, I got dudes pee in the shower. And all of a sudden, he's like splashing his face. He goes, oh, how'd that taste? <laughs> and I'm like, this is great. And then all of a sudden, Bill sees a rat and he goes, hey, I'm sending a friend your way. He's like, holy fuck. Like, it's just like it, the only reason for this to be in the movie is slapstick. You could have cut this whole scene. And it would have mean nothing. There's a couple like that, but it was fucking crazy. Right, Diesel? It definitely was crazy. And again, cements my suspicions that Kurt Curtis loved piss. <laughs> That's why he volunteered for this mission. He's like, I can go through a river of piss. Oh, because he was like, it wasn't just like a ha ha, you know, people pee in the shower. It was, I wonder how many people have peed in this. He was genuinely curious. And then he, he asked him how it tasted. <laughs> so we get to the, by the, before these gentlemen get over to this place, going through this drainage, the young boy gets over through the drainage and he comes upon the, the salesman who he thinks is dead because he's not moving. And then all of a sudden he just sits up like the undertaker screaming, yelling and grabs onto the kid. The best part about this is he, he then sees Bill and goes, Bill, Billy, help me, Billy, help me. And by the time Bill and Kurt get over to him, which is not that far away. What's what's what happens to the salesman? So when the salesman grabs him, he just keeps yelling, help me, help me, help me. And so he launches a death grip on the poor kid. By the time Bill and Curtis make it over, 
He's dead. Unexplicably, the salesman is all of a sudden dead. He's been yelling in the ditch for hours. He, he then grabs onto this kid, and then he just fucking dies. Just dead. So they gotta like cocaine break, is a hell of a drug. They have to break the rigor mortis grip because rigor mortis set in so quickly. Yeah. In the meantime, a truck hears them and tries to like careen into them, but they all get back into the storm train, and they're celebrating in the storm train. Just kind of funny. Uh, they get back across, they get back inside, and that's when uh, the plot like kind of thickens. We'll go through some time where... Well, sorry. We, we, we can't glaze over this because now that the boy is there and expecting his father to be there because that's where he works. And we find out through Bubba with zero interest in the kid's emotions that your daddy did. <laughs> Which he gets smacked by Brett for that. <laughs> uh, by the way, we forgot. They had lost power at this point juncture because Wanda decides to go on a, a apeshit tear in one of Diesel's favorite seats. And what does Wanda do? She Wanda is fed up with this machinery trying to kill a shit because it is unfair because we made you. <laughs> I don't think you understand. Screaming. We made you. <laughs> So they, in, in re- reaction to this, they cut off the power. They just because obviously they have control of all electronics. The power goes out. They're like, "Fuck you! We'll show you who made who, bitch." Yep, all who, electronics. And, and, and that would have been a perfect time for ACDC's "Who Made Who" to come on because that would have been per- perfect at that point. Um, oh. Anyways. We, we get back, of course, it's dark, and then everybody goes to bed. Well, the next morning, the young boy doesn't go to sleep because, you know, he finds out his dad died. He's been running for fucking machines. I'm sure you're not sleeping well. And he realizes that on their way is a pretty much a giant bulldozer kind of situation going on and a little military vehicle. And I, when I mean little, it looks like a fucking cart with a wheel that just happens to have a 50 cal gun turret on it. I don't know where that came from. I don't know if that was I, that can't be a real military issued anything. But anyways, uh, maybe it's like hitched to the back of like a Humvee or something. But it really looked like a, just a rail car, like yeah. where you took the little seesaw thing off and you just put a gun there. <laughs> I'm sure that's what they did because once again, cocaine is a hell of a drug. So the young boy sees this shit pulling in, so he goes to wake up Bill. Like he could have woke up anybody. He goes to wake up Bill. My well, favorite part is is that Bill is butt ass naked. So is it Brett? They they were scrucking. You could tell. Yeah, that's why he went there. He, he was trying to. Oh, he's trying to get the cop of feel. Yeah, not a cop of feel. Just uh, no, he I'm was because remember die. when he shook when he shook he shook her, not Bill. So he probably got a little titty titty. Yeah, yeah. titty titty. I'm 13. I'm probably gonna wind up dead. I'm gonna feel up some titty. <laughs> so, anyways, they come out and at the same time everybody else starts waking up. And the the one scene that makes no fucking sense is when they wake up the guy that was sleeping in the arcade area like pushes the doors open like good morning <laughs> and the windows smash out. <laughs> no fucking sense cocaine is a hell of a drug i'm just saying so what happens here ron after the bulldozer and the uh shows up no that's they realize that uh the every all the vehicles are running out of fuel so they need them to start fueling them up well well we realize this because we start hearing a sound series of taps from the military vehicle. The military vehicle's honking its horn, and it just happens to be in Morse code. And the kid yeah. just got, got his Morse code. Hey, just happened to have his Morse code here badge for the, the Boy Scouts, obviously. Uh, and also, the bulldozer starts clearing the busted-up trucks out of the way of the pumps, if you yeah. didn't notice yeah. what it's doing. So, like... Now he's written it down, and it's basically, "Hey, if you give us gas, we'll let you. We'll give. We'll give you no harm, but we need. We need fuel. So well, they want us to feed them now. And of course, the smart guy in the room just goes, "Well, fuck them. Let them starve." <laughs> and I'm like, with that guy, I'm yeah. like, why would you? Who cares? 
And uh, basically, Bill's like, no, this might be our way out. So he fucking turns the pumps on, and then they go out there to be human slaves. Well, they, they, they make the comment like, well, everything's off, and all of a sudden, all the power comes back. So they can understand and communicate through Morse code and just hearing that and be like, all right. They well, understand English, <laughs> but since they can't speak, they have to use Morse code. <laughs> which, so, which they brought in a military vehicle because the other vehicles don't know Morse code. Well, no, it wasn't. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> they just needed the gun. <laughs> well, yes, because the gun is pointed on them. Because, of course, the, before they agree to this, Bubba ends up getting shot up. They shoot up the fucking store. Uh, there's a bunch of people. My, my favorite, though, Wanda is gets it. Wanda gets it because she goes outside once again, Diesel. <laughs> we made you. <laughs> which, which did you notice, too, when everyone's waking up, Wanda comes out of Bubba's room? Oh, and yeah. He oh. was zipping up his pants and she was oh, fixing her. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So yeah. They, were, they were fucking. Oh, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of this whole thing, though, is like I get Bubba goes out there, you know, with a fucking rocket launcher, shoots some shit. So they shoot him up, and then you go over to the other because they oh they smash his car up. Remember the bulldozer yeah. pulls his car. Then the other thing that happens though is as it starts to shoot, and I get the first people. They don't know the bullets are coming. They get hit. The ones that don't get down. But you tell me why, motherfuckers, in the middle of it shooting, not after it's done and they get shot, and it's still going, and, and people just stand up or come out of somewhere, and they're like, oh, like it's. Like, once again. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. And it's just wild. It's like, why? Why is this thing? So they become human slaves nonetheless, and they're pumping gas in the hot sun in North Carolina. And, and Diesel, you pointed out a good point about this. What's weird about this? So it's only like three people working, and they are in 120-degree hate. You can see the signs of dehydration. They're, they're, they're working themselves to the bone. They're going to die. But you have a crew of ragtag survivors. You can work in shifts. You have four or five pumps that need to be manned just keep switching out yeah you have the power back now so now you have the opportunity for ice and water they kind of took this you work for us and we're going to work you to the bone thing a little too far too quick <laughs> also i want to point out there was there was a few more people because i mean and, and, but they're all defiant like the, the young kid is pumping the gas then he like when he fills up you're filled up and gives it the finger <laughs> fucking uh at one point Richard, there's a weird scene where the one guy does come relieve brett the one trucker yeah, comes out yeah. and relieves Brett, and she like puts her hand out. Like you, there's no scene between these two before. Like yeah. she puts her hand on him and he hugs her, and, and he, she's like, "I hope they choke on it." <laughs> and they're just like, "They can't choke. They're a fucking vehicle." And like they finally get Bill out of there because that's when uh, the, the the black truck driver comes out, gets Bill, yeah. and he's like, "Here, you know," and he's talking to him and whatever, whatever. And this whole time, like they run out of gas, and, and finally Bill's like, "Hey, we're out. We're done." And the fucking gun thing just starts, and then a truck starts nudging. <laughs> and it, you know what it is? It's a fucking tanker full of gas. And it nudges them right over to fucking fill the gas tank so they keep going. <laughs> One of the smartest things that they did in this movie, to be honest. Actually, it makes sense. <laughs> so in the meantime, when all this is happening, without any fucking warning, I mean, we heard earlier when it was just Brett and Bill, they're like, oh, you know, we should fucking get to a, a sailboat because it's, it's a sailboat. There's no engine and we can sail to this island. There's an island not far off the coast that there's no vehicles. There's yeah. no electricity on. So we can get there and we'd be safe. And I'm like, oh, that's a good fucking plan. They talk about it earlier. They never explain this to anybody else in the store. They ne Not that we know. Not that we can, we can justify. All of a sudden, 
Bill comes out to one of the truck drivers who's pumping gas, and he goes, hey, come here. I just need to talk to you for a minute. And and he looks over at the gun because the gun's not pointing. He's like, hey, boss, give us a second. You know, we, we got we get there's peeing going on. You know, you don't have that problem. We have that problem, right? So the, the, the thing kind of lets him be. <laughs> and he's talking this thing. Now, we already know that the machines can understand fucking English, right? So what does he say to the guy? He goes, hey, listen, as soon as I tell you to, just run. Run back inside. Just run. Mind you, he's saying this out loud. There's no way the fucking thing can't hear him. And so what does he do? He undoes a, a pin of a grenade, tosses it into the, the gun turret thing, and smacks the gun turret around. So, so, so it's spinning and trying to shoot. So they, mind you, bullets would be flying everywhere, let's be honest. And they get back inside, and it blows up. And now they're hatching their plan because they're all going to escape out of that same water tunnel, the piss tunnel, if you will, that they went to get the kid from to get to the other side so then they can get to the marina, which is miles down the road, to get to a sailboat to sail to this island. We, they don't ever tell you that. No. Because we're in the climax of this film. The trucks finally do what we thought they should have done the whole time, and they start smashing through the uh, the store. Yeah. Like, he starts smashing through it. Like, it's like, oh, here we go. We're going to smash through the fucking store. Which makes sense now that we know why the bulldozer was there, because now we know we have to level the building. Right. And uh, <laughs> an oxygen truck goes in, and then they light that motherfucker up, and it blows up the entire fucking truck stop. But everybody's out, and, but they stop, and they watch all of this. And I'm like, why are you stopped at any time? something could discover you stupid motherfuckers now here's my other problem they're using guns and shit now they take this arsenal they got the guns they got the rocket launchers we just saw a gun being used by this truck which had nothing connected to it electronically so in this world if the gun can shoot shouldn't the guns that they have be able just to shoot yeah yeah well again we cannot (laughs) try to find logic cocaine is a hell of a drug we have people driving in cars and the cars aren't trying to kill them but the trucks are trying to kill them. We have in the opening of the movie when they go to the uh, the draw the drawbridge. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, I forgot about this. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. But so the drawbridge starts going, and like all the cars start freaking out. People yeah. start falling out. The machines you would you would make the logical assumption that the machines aren't trying to kill other machines. But who are the only casualties in the drawbridge? Oh, the machines. People. Because but here, oh, yeah, I'm glad you brought it up because I, I <laughs> fucking put it out of my head. That seems ridiculous because there's people falling through the gap on the side where, you know, so you know a drawbridge, so the middle yeah. part is the side that opens up. Well, there's people falling through where the jointing would be. There's no gap where the jointing would be. Yeah. yeah. Because that's where the machine that opens the fucking bridge is. But there's people falling through that because there's only one car that gets stuck on the top that falls off. Everything else slides back. Did you see the one? The car slides back. Now, mind you, it's only at like maybe a fucking, it's not a 90 degree angle. It's maybe at a 40 degree angle. Yeah. And this car slides back and somebody goes flying out the windshield yeah. and dies. So, like, like, it's, like, it's just unbelievable shit. But once again. Cocaine is a hell of a drug. That scene, I can't believe I didn't talk about that earlier. That fucking scene, dude. Yeah, but mind you, so the bridge is trying to kill all these people that are in their cars, and we know that motor vehicles can be inflected by this, so why not just, all of a sudden, they just all start getting choked by their seatbelts, or the doors start locking, like, they the windows open, they stick their head out the window trying to get out, then it goes back up. I'm glad, we'll talk about that in a second. I'm glad you did bring it up now, because... They make their way to the marina, long story short. The Green Goblin truck knows something's up, so it's going towards them. the marina. For, well, it's not even followed. They don't even know they're there at first. It's just like, man, these motherfuckers are probably going to the marina. The Green <laughs> Goblin truck is smart, right? So the Green Goblin truck's going that way, we find out. And they're going towards the marina. They get to the marina, but before they get to the marina, there is a scene where they stop by a drive-thru. And <laughs> the drive-thru comes on and keeps going, humans, 
humans, <laughs> humans, humans. And then the kid shoots it up and says, that's for my dad. Now, mind you, that machine can't move, so it's not for his dad. The other thing I would like to point out, for those of us who have worked in drive throughs in our lives, when you go to a drive through <laughs> Uh, who talks to you? Is it a computer or is it a person? Well, person technically now, but, but now they do have. Right, but they're recordings. Yeah. There's no recording that says humans, humans, humans. <laughs> and at that time, there was no recordings. You just came yeah. up and somebody came on the speaker and said, how can I help you? So how the fuck is this thing talking? Because it learned, learned English. <laughs> how is it talking? Cocaine. <laughs> <laughs> way Cocaine is a hell of a drug. Because a gun... There is no like mechanical thing to like actually pull back the trigger. Yet the gun was firing, but right. just that gun, not these guns. Yeah. <laughs> Cocaine is a hell of a drug. I know. So uh, <laughs> then they also shoot down the fucking uh, the the ice cream truck. Yep. Ice cream truck makes a return. They shoot it down with bullets. It flips. It blows up. You know whatever. So they get to the marina and they get to the sailboat, which Diesel instantly pointed out that there's still mechanical things on a sailboat. I, I'll give them credit because they they went with a sailboat, so they're going with the technologically the least amount. There's no mo- onboard motors yeah. or anything like that. It's a sailboat. But there is still navigation equipment, radio yeah. equipment. There is still going to be a ton of technology on there. So then we get, because we have to have a finalization, right? So in the meantime, and this goes to your rolling somebody up in the window, one of the truck drivers gets caught, they catch to my eye that there's a lady who was trying to get out of her car and the window caught her in the car and killed her, which is what Diesel was trying to say earlier because, hey, for some reason we've seen people escape in cars, but we've also seen people dead in cars, and this is a perfect example <laughs> of it. This is like in your face, and he so he steals the diamond ring, which once, but before this we have not established that this guy's a klepto looking to get stuff. It's just a, oh, shiny, gotta go get that. And yeah. by the way, the world, for all they know, is ending. So what the fuck did you need the ring for? <laughs> Because it's to set it's plot armor. It is to set up the fact that after he gets it, we see that the green goblin truck. He doesn't see it, but the green goblin truck behind hear it didn't see it. By the way, yeah, and then it fires up and runs his ass over once again. Sidestep, but no, he gets killed, and that's the last death we get because then. Emilio Estevez's Bill grabs the rocket launcher is like I'm tired of this shit and he looks at it and he goes eat this and he fires a rocket and he blows up the Green Goblin truck wait 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 he uses a piece of what a, a rocket launcher which is technically a piece of technology yes okay, yes, okay. Yes, to blow up the truck so once again Cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> and then they get on the boat and they start sailing, sailing away to the inlet, to out to the ocean, etc. And that's <laughs> that's where we get it. We get a little uh, we get a little blurb at the end that tells us that uh, shortly after this, the events here happened, the uh, a Russian weather satellite in quotations <laughs> shot a large UFO yeah, oh. out of the sky using lasers and a nuclear weapon. <laughs> And that the uh, the trail left in eight days later, and everything went back to normal. And our survivors from the the Dixie truck stop are still, still survivors. survivors. And that's how the movie ends, <laughs> folks. Uh, and it ends with a gigantic cocaine is a hell of a drug. <laughs> so, with that being said, we ran through it because it's more fun, it's more interesting. So, you got to get to her a lot of our likes and dislikes. So, we're just going to mix them together. We're going to go around the table. Ron, we'll start with you. What are some of your likes and dislikes for, and you know, obviously we've said a lot of them, but just throw them out there in a the list for Maximum Overdrive? Overall, like you said, this is one of those cliche, like very concept bad movie. Like all concepts of this movie, this movie should not be as entertaining as it is. It It is a typical 80s movie, like all the way around. And I know I use that all the time. But it is what it is. It it's shot, you know, it has some good scenes that are shot well. It has some good ideas, but then it's just like, okay, we got to get this movie done, so we just need 
to move and then all of a sudden it just goes off the rails like like all of a sudden it's like they're like oh we have a 10 day film shoot let's get it done king was like hey i got this magic white powder we can get this done in three days <laughs> cocaine is a hell of a drug and, and, it, and it's you know it's a solid movie overall but the fact that you got all this from a page and a half yeah. short story i mean is kind of impressive <laughs> Yeah, that and a lot of cocaine. <laughs> uh, Diesel, some likes and dislikes overall. Once again, we yep. went through a lot of stuff in the thing, but some likes and dislikes in there. All right, so there, like Ryan was saying, there are some actually like well-shot shots. Like I brought up earlier, like the sprinklers following the kid, yep. turning on. There are some ingenious ways to shooting this movie with the video cameras. So I did like some of the technical aspects of it. Like, And it looks like a, a movie. It's not like one of those cheesy ones where you're like, like, you know, when you watch, like, a sci-fi movie, you can be like, oh, this was definitely filmed by the sci-fi channel. Mm-hmm. This one, you're just like, this is they filmed this on film. Everything is done technically right, so it looks like a piece of cinema. So I'll give yeah. them credit on there. <laughs> and then the dislike is, of course, it makes no fucking sense. It, there is zero continuity in this movie of, we, we get the premise, machines are killing humans for a determined period of time. How they found out that determined period of time and why that was important, I don't know. <laughs> But some machines are trying to kill. Some are we're still using as tools. There is yeah. no logic or reason to which is which. Where's where that's where it all falls off. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of up in the air to this. And I'm gonna I'm gonna say the same thing. So there, the, my likes for this movie are, and we we talked about this in the car. So I'm I'm glad that I remembered this. My biggest like from this movie is this movie. It's supposed to be like a thriller horror film, but it plays like a comedy. Yes. And I don't know if that was intentional. No. <laughs> I don't think it was <laughs> it because there's a, there's a lot of things that seems to like to try to be serious in this movie, but it's so slapstick it becomes great. It becomes very entertaining. I know there's some people out there that are going to be like, "No, this is a terrible film." But I think this movie like from the jump when he's like, "The machine just called me an asshole." <laughs> All the way through to like some weird dude fucking stealing a diamond ring for no, no fucking reason. reason. Like, there's a lot of slapstick in it. And, like, to your point, it was shot very well. The practical effects in this movie are done well. Like, I mean, other than the guys just standing in front of the trucks, the actual scenes where they're getting hit and you see blood going and what whatever, like the Coke can indention into the nope. guy's head. Like, even the dead bodies as you go by them, even though it doesn't make any fucking sense how they died, it still looked good. It looked the part. And you're just like, oh, so this movie is, like, the effects are good and the movie's shot well. It's just it makes no sense. Yeah. The continuity's fucked. And if you spend any time thinking about it, it just destroys the whole movie. And I get it. That's a bad thing for most movies. But I think where that makes up for and we're going to talk about this more so I don't want to dive too much into it because it's definitely going to come to my score. It leads to a lot of fun. Yeah. And, like, that's all, like, honestly, that's all this movie ends up being at some point in Juncture. Like, if you go too far past anything else, I mean, yeah, no. You know what I mean? No. So now we've given our likes and dislikes. We've given you the review. Hopefully you guys had fun with that because I actually had fun talking about this movie. Uh, But now we got to get back down to business. And before we give our scores, we're going to find out the scores from around the internet. And you know how we like to do that. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. That's right, it's time to play the game, and of course, it's a new year, it's a new game. Uh, we're still going to go around the scores from the internet. These two gentlemen are going to try to guess the scores, but it is closest to the number. No more prices, right rules. First of three points wins, and I will point this out. Uh, 
These two gentlemen also have started anew for the year for championship, and we're going to go through the year. Diesel is your returning champion. He did win week one. Let's see if he can add two weeks onto his total, or if Ron will now get the ball. All right, with that being said, let's start the game. Are you gentlemen ready? Oh, yeah. I'll try. All right, Ron, you are the challenger. That means you go first. First starting off with IMDb out of 10 using points. What did they give maximum overdrive? 5.6. Diesel. 2.8. 5.6, 2.8, and Ron gets your point. 5.4 out of 10. Ooh, oh, super close, Ron. Wow, super close. Good job. There. Good job. All right, Diesel, you're up next. Metacritic. This is critics only, remember. It's taken from a bunch of critic sites. Out of 100%, what did they give maximum overdrive? 38%. Ron. 40. 38, 40, and... Diesel ties it up, 24%. 24%. Ron, you went a little bit too high. All right, now, Ron, you're going to go up next. It's going to be the Rotten Tomatoes critic score. Out of 100%, what did the Rotten Tomatoes critics give maximum overdrive? 42. 32. 42, 32, and... Diesel goes up to one, 15%. Oh, oh Jesus. 15%. <laughs> so Diesel is in the lead two to one. He could take the win on this next one, or Ron could, no, see, he's could tie it. it up. So Diesel, you get to go first because you're the champion, and this is going to be the Rotten Tomatoes fan score. What is the Rotten Tomatoes fan score out of 100% for maximum overdrive? 69. Whoa. Ron. Uh, I go... Uh oh, he's, he's digging in. 60. Right. 69 and 60, and Ron gets the point. It was 50% exactly. Uh, I almost said 55, actually, but uh. it is all tied up. We are going to go to the dreaded Google users if we have a Google score, because God knows these days. Uh, so, and we do not have a Google score, oh, unfortunately. So, we're going to go to a letterbox score. Oh, Jesus. I and uh, this is out of five using points. This is the tiebreaker. So, out of five, you can use points. And uh, this is the tiebreaker. Whoever gets this is going to win. Ron, since you're the challenger, you go first. So letterbox out of five using points. What did they give maximum overdrive? 2.3. Diesel. I'm, I'm going to stick with my initial answer. Two. Two. 2.3. And ladies and gentlemen, you know we have a winner. Our winner. And new nice. champion, Ron. 2.6 out of 5 on the Letterboxd. 2.6 out of 5. There's obviously people like us on Letterbox who enjoyed <laughs> this movie probably more than they should have. So Ron has gotten the point. Ron is now your new champion. So uh, with that being said, let's now finally, after we've gotten the scores from around the internet, give you our thoughts and our scores as it's time for us to give this a grade, gentlemen. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. All right, and of course, this is going to be, we're going to do this with the nerd score on the nerd scale. And of course, the nerd score is a recommendation score that is based on our critic score mixed with an entertainment score. So that means if the movie was critically bad, but very entertaining, like we've always used this as an example, it could have a higher score and vice versa. Of course, the nerd scale is five parts and five parts alone. Here are the numbers on the scale. A one is no. That means it's a terrible film that you should never watch. A two means you've been warned. That means it's not quite terrible, but it isn't good. So you've been warned not to watch this. A three is eh, it's good. That means it's an average to good movie. You're not going to probably go out of your way to watch it again, but you're not regretting the fact that you've seen it once, but you're probably never going to watch it again. A four is 
Just take my money. That means if it's in the theaters, you can spend money to see it. You can rent it on Prime and feel good about it. You can buy the movie. You might even add it to your rotation and collection. This movie's worth seeing more than once. That's why it's just take my money. And last but not least is the rarefied air known as certified nerd. And that is for the best of the best. The creme de la creme, the Jaws of the world, the Jurassic Parks of the world. These are the best of the best movies. You are going to see them when they are in the theater. You're going to see them when they're re-released. You're probably going to own a couple different copies of them when a new copy comes out. And it's definitely going to be in your rotation because it's a classic. It's an instant classic, if you will. So let's give our nerd scores. We'll start with Ron. What is your nerd score? Four, Maximum Overdrive, and why? Maximum Overdrive score is a four. Show me the money! No matter, no matter how many times I watch this movie, I, I'm not upset that I watched it. I'm I'm like Rich. I paid, might as well paid the four ninety nine to own it on Amazon instead of paying, you know, three forty nine to rent it. So I, I now officially have it owned on a streaming site, <laughs> so I can watch it whenever I want. Uh, it was one of those movies back in the 80s that would go into the syndication channels yeah. when we only had seven channels, people. <laughs> and it would be the Saturday afternoon matinee uh, movie on whatever, USA or something. And that, that's where I, you know, you turn it on. There wasn't much else on. You just watch. <laughs> so, you know, and you're not, when you get done with watching this, you're not upset that you watched it. It's a quintessential 80s movie that, like it says, it's, it's, Cocaine's a hell of a drug. Like, yeah. and <laughs> you can't describe it any better. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. You're not going to be upset that you saw that you saw this. No, I agree. So. Uh, Ron, you've given your score, so now it's Diesel's turn to give his score. What did you give for a nerd score for Maximum Overdrive and why? All right, I also landed at a four. Show me the money. This movie, through all its flaws, has the uncanny ability to make you see past the flaws and just accept it for being itself. Most movies were all the angry comic book guy from The Simpsons. Like, this is the worst movie ever. This is why it sucks. This is why it sucks. You start to do this with this movie, but then you're just like, I'll allow it. I'll allow it. I'll allow it. And you're just in for a fun ride. Yeah. Logic be damned. We're just here to have fun. <laughs> so I'm going to start off backwards. I'm going to give my critic score first. I'm give, I give this, and this is high for this movie, by the way. <laughs> I give it a four out of ten. Critically, this movie is a stinker. What brings it up in the critic score is the fun and entertainment and, the, and obviously the effects. And like you said, the shooting of the film is just fine. Like those things bring it up a little bit in the score. But I feel like I'm even giving this a jump up there because of how entertaining the film is. So I give it a four out of ten. Realistically, it's probably closer to a three. I'm just being a little high on the film, right? Here's the thing. This is why we've been using this for years as our, hey, it could be a critically bad movie. It could be a terrible film, but if it's entertaining enough and it makes you laugh and it makes it happen and we're all having fun, it's going to raise it up. And I'm going to tell you what, it was a clean sweep because not only is four my score for four out of ten, it's also my nerd scale score. Show me the money! I also added it to my digital collection. I do yeah. have copies of this. I do watch this movie on a somewhat regular basis. It's been a little while since I've seen it recently. This was probably the longest gap that I've gone without seeing yeah. it, which was probably about 10 years, give or take. Uh, but, but previous to that, this is a movie that I used to watch all the time on HBO and Cinemax when I was younger because this movie got a lot of play on there. I would watch it on WPIX. For those of you who live in New York, you yeah. know what WPIX is. Uh, they would play, this is one of those movies that they would play randomly when they did their horror movies because it was like this, an alligator, an alligator. <laughs> Two, remember yep, that? Yep, yep. Those were like the movies yep. that they played. So they played real schlocky films, and this was one of them. So it's kind of like one of those things that I've seen a ton in my life, and I've always been entertained by it. 
I have always known, even when I was a little child, I think the first time I saw this movie, I was probably seven or eight years old, which admittingly, you know, it's not that bad. I guess no. you could show it to a kid. It's not too yeah. bad. But like, once again, in the 80s, we all, 80s and ni- early 90s, we were all watching movies we shouldn't have been watching, yeah. let's be honest. Uh, that's just how we grew up back then. We were also out playing in things that we shouldn't have been playing in, let's be yeah. honest. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that another time. Cocaine's so, a hell of a drug. Well, you know, Diesel, since you said it, we'll play it one more time. Cocaine's a hell of a drug. And, and basically, you know, it was... It was one of those things that you saw all the time. And even then, I knew it wasn't good. Like, even as a child, I knew this movie wasn't good. But I knew it always made me laugh. Yeah. And there was always things. There's, like, scenes that stick out in your head once you see this. Like, I, I always remember the, this machine's calling me an asshole. But I forgot about the fuck you portion, yeah. like, right before that. Like, honestly, I did. Uh, and then, like, what? The, the Coke can. Everybody remembers the Coke can scene. Yep. Everybody remembers the steamroller scene. Yep. Everybody remembers the Green Goblin truck. Yep. I mean, there's some iconic Which, stuff in this movie. Tom Gacker, right? Green Goblin truck. Yeah, I mean. yeah. It's which, if you think about it, like there, this is there's some really iconic stuff in this this schlocky, shitty film. There's so much iconic, and then you find out the stories when you get older that this is in the height of Stephen King's cocaine addiction, and this is his direct response, by the way, ladies and gentlemen, to The Shining. He was so angry about what Kubrick did with The Shining, to and mind you, this is years later. Too so much angry about it, he said that fuck that, I'll make my own movie. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not a Stanley Kubrick film. <laughs> and, I, and I know we've never really officially reviewed The Shining. We might someday. But let's just throw it out there. Just like when we do Jaws next year for his 50th anniversary, you already know that is a five movie. That is a fucking amazing piece of cinema. And I know that Stephen King might hate it, but it's an amazing piece of fucking cinema. And there is no way this touches The Shining. For a first-time director coming in at a four out of five going against The Shining, Pretty solid odds, <laughs> but but a critical shit. You know, let's be honest, a critical shit. And I and I really do. When we had this conversation earlier, me and Diesel did. We we're like, the what? Where this succeeds and other movies don't is that for some reason, even if Stephen King wrote this to be serious, somehow when it translated on screen, because probably cocaine is a hell of a drug. Somehow that that led it to be actually funny. And this is not a horror movie or a thriller. We, I put this in the category of the like Airplane. If you watch the movie Airplane, this is a satire film. And I don't know if he wrote it that way. I, he probably didn't. He probably was on high on coke and going, this is the greatest shit you ever wrote, man. <laughs> Grinding his teeth to the fucking core. But then we, when it got made, and he thought that this was such good shit, pal, guess what? It didn't matter. It ended up being a real fun trip down, uh, down the road. No, pun intended. And it, I think that that's where it pays off in other things. And it's hard. There's a lot of people who st- still hate this movie. And I can understand. If you watch this movie because you think you're going to get something or you just don't like to have fun, as we always say, then this movie is going to suck for you because it's not a good movie. However, if you're a person who likes fun, everybody I've ever talked to about Maximum Overdrive in our friend group, they're like, it's a terrible movie, but I have so much fun watching yeah. it. And there is parts of the movie where there's downtime where you're like, Ugh. but thankfully it's not too long because it's not such a long movie. But, you know, there's definitely scenes you could cut out of this fucking movie like that make no sense for being in the movie. But then again, some of them make it in there because it's like, oh, it's, it's funny, like the inconsistencies of her clothing. Yep. It's just something you see and you're just like, don't make sense, but it's cool. So at the end of the day, man, I, I'm, I, I think that we're all on the nose giving it a four. I'm giving it a four out of ten, I admit I'm high. 
I, this movie is closer to a two and a half out of or three out of ten, but I'm always going to give it a little bit of bump, even in my critic score because of how much fun it is, whether it was intentional or unintentional. But we want to hear from you. So on the 300th episode, with our review of Maximum Overdrive, do you agree with us, disagree with us, anything in between? Hit us up on the social medias. If not, email us at contact us info on the website, however you would like to talk to us. But remember, 3FNpodcast.com has got your hookup for all of that. Ron, I believe you have some business to attend to. One out of ten stars. Okay, film. So I don't know if this film was meant to be a comedy, an action film, or a sci-fi film. Sarah Connor is a single woman who works in a cafe and has an uneventful life as she has just been dumped by phone. So she decides to go out on her own to a pub when she is there. The news comes on that says that Sarah Connor has been killed and another Sarah Connor had been killed when she was watching the news with her work colleagues. So when she comes out of the pub, she thinks she's being followed. So she goes in into call a uh, uh, club called Technior where she rings the police about her stalker then a bit later the terminator turns up and finds her when he is about to terminate her her stalker saves the day by rescuing her after that he explains who he is and why he has come back to the future and explains to her about the terminator and why he was also came back to the future anyway i did notice some bloopers when the terminator is looking for sarah connor's address it turns up to a door with 20 225 on it but in the phone book the number was 309 maybe there was another gun shop where the terminator could have gotten a plasma gun with a 40 40 weight range one out of ten stars terminator just sucks people Cocaine is a hell of a drug. That's how I feel about that review. Diesel, have at it. So if you're going to title a review, Terminator is an okay movie. You can't give it a one. <laughs> if it's an okay, it's average. It's it's in the middle somewhere. That being said, if, if you're doing a movie review, you don't have to just put the plot in real time <laughs> as your review. That's kind of like the opposite of what you should be doing. You should be saying what you thought about the new movie, not what the movie's about. Also, I would like to point out, Back to the Future is a movie. Yeah. Nobody in that movie goes back to the future. They go back to the past because yeah. they are from the future. Yes. Back to the Future is named Back to the Future because they go back to the future. Listen, I'm not going to lie. I thought I was reading it wrong. That's why I stumbled on it both times, and I'm like, no, that's the no, words that are there. That's fine. I, I'm not going to lie. I'm a horrible reader, people. You've noticed this since I've been doing this, and I don't care. I and, do and, it it's fun. and if you were paying attention enough that you got the address and number out of the phone book and shit, yeah. I, then I don't understand what the <laughs> fuck you're doing, because I never watch a movie that much. So that's the, the comic book guy effect. It's the, But in the phone book, it was 309, but the actual address was 225. How did you guys let that slip? This is what we forgive in Maximum Overdrive. <laughs> this is what this guy cannot get oh, wait, rid of. This is what we forgive in a lot of movies. Even movies we give terrible scores to, Like I'm not worried about stupid inconsistencies like that. Yeah. That doesn't change the movie at all. Yeah. And sometimes they're just put in there for shits and gigs. I mean, yeah. we understand that one of the greatest directors of all time, I think we can agree on this, is Quentin Tarantino. Tarantino puts mistakes in his movies on purpose. Yeah. He wants people to find them. Yeah, and it's like a it's like a fucking Easter egg hunt to find all of the mistakes. Yeah. Like, and, uh, and, and, and there's fiction, gun, like holes in the, the, whole, the gun the shots are already, in the, already in the, in the cabinet yeah, and yeah. everything. Yeah. So, and there's there's actually, like, I think there's, like, 40 in that movie yeah, or yeah. something like that. Uh, but the thing is, like, if you go back even in time, we were just talking about Stanley Kubrick. Kubrick put little Easter eggs in his movie back then before Easter eggs were a big deal. So, like, you look at all these things and you're going, these guys are putting the things in for a reason. 
You know what I mean? So maybe there's a reason behind it. But here's the thing. It doesn't affect the story. I'm not going to read the fucking phone book and go, oh, man, they went to 225 instead of 309. I just don't care where the characters are at and how yeah. the story's told. And the way he, he told the story back made the story sound better than if I just told you the story. Yeah. Because, like, there's a reason. You, you just laid out that they laid the plot line perfect. She's somewhere. She learns that other Sarah Connors have become murdered because the machines, later we find out, don't know what Sarah Connor is. So their answer is, well, fuck it, we're going to kill all of them. <laughs> you know, which, once again, that would be an answer from if a machine was going to do something. Yeah. Like, right now, if AI was like, hey, Richard Coriel is a fucking problem. Oh. Well, we don't we don't know which Richard Coriel it is. And mind you, there's multiple. I know because I've found on the internet people have contacted me for other people, and Facebook's a hell of a drug. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, like, like if you think about it, like, like they're gonna kill all the Richard Coriels because oh shit, you know he's he's a fucking bad guy. Yeah, or he's the guy we want to kill. They're not gonna be the machine doesn't care about human life. It's not gonna be like oh man, we got the wrong one. Shit. <laughs> the machine's just fucked up. That's it, it, all. Yeah, exactly. Well, well, what it was was we don't know which one, so kill them all. Yeah. You know, it's a fucking Metallica song. Kill them all, <laughs> bitch. Well, which one should we kill? All of them. And we'll get, that's how we'll find it. It's just like, a, it's the Bible story. Remember when the, the Pharaoh, yeah. you know, is, is scared of Jesus being born? He goes and just says, fucking kill all the firstborn male children of the Jewish people. Kill them all. We don't know which one it is. You, if they're five years or younger, kill them all. Yep. And that's that's the whole like that's the whole lesson of this movie is that's what they're doing. And yes, the guy comes back to the future. Now, if you want to get into if you're like <laughs> I said back to the future to be a dickhead to that guy. Yeah. But the guy comes back to the best. If you really want to be a dick, the one thing that's the glaring mistake in this movie and it always has been is the fact that Kyle Reese is the father of John Connor. It's a paradox. Right, it's yeah. a paradox because there's no way that you can't put the chicken before the egg. Yeah. John Connor sent Kyle Reese back to protect his mom. So how does Kyle Reese become the father of... Jo so it is a paradox. It's what came first, the chicken or the fucking egg. In this case, the the egg came first. Yeah. So it's it's weird. So like that's the one. That's the only paradox in the movie that makes well, the, the that's the plot hole. That's of all plot holes that never made sense. Well, the other plot hole is if the, if they didn't if the robot if the the machines didn't send back the Terminator, then she would never have gone into I got to keep my son alive. Yeah. Right, right. So, exactly. then, so, well, there, but that's that makes more sense because yeah. the machines was trying to kill off the leader of the resistance yes. who was making uh, headway against them. So that was like the smart technology for them to do. They just they also didn't realize the humans also learned to go back in time. Remember, that's the one thing that happens during the movie is the Kyle Reese gets back because they stole the technology, and there's like the whole bunch of people die for him to go back. And basically, that's how they save the day. But once again, the only glaring plot hole that if anybody's going to bitch about this movie, the one part they I give them 100% is how Kyle Reese is the father of John Connor. It does not make any sense since John Connor sent Kyle Reese back. So that means that in the alternate timeline, if you're going to a state of thing, then John Connor's dad was somebody else originally, right? Mm -hmm. If John Connor already exists. Well, John Connor is Jesus. <laughs> It could be. <laughs> Until you get to Genesis. Could be. Well, that's even fucking weirder. That is like the weirdest fucking... When you talk about fucking plot holes of plot holes, I never saw the movie, but oh, I know what happens. Don't. They kill John Connor in the beginning of the movie. Spoiler alert for anybody who gives a piece about this piece of shit film. They kill John Connor in the beginning of the film, and then but all of a sudden John Connor still exists because he's a machine. Yeah. And the whole time he was a Terminator. Yeah. Oh, mind fuck. Mind freak! It's so bad. Oh. <laughs> It's so bad. It's not good. It's by, by the way, here's my the best part about that movie. So the John Connor Terminator is killing off other Terminators and machines to it, throughout the movie until the reveal at the end. 
It's like tag team wrestling. You know, like when you're watching WWE and the tag team partner fights alongside the guy the whole match and then turns on him and joins the other team? Because we've seen that happen a bunch of times in pro wrestling, right? Yeah, all the time. And it's like, so you beat up on your buddies for the entirety of a match and they beat up on you to then just turn at the end of the match? Logically makes no sense. Yeah. That makes no sense either. The worst, though, is when the guy's getting the three-on-one beatdown and still wins the match. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, a little spoiler alert. Uh, Royal Rumble is going to be a four-way match. Roman Reigns defending the title against Randy Orton and AJ Styles in L.A. Knight. I think he's going to break them, stack them, and pin them. So there could be a possibility three guys get stacked on top of each other. If they pull that trigger, the Internet's going to lose their shit, and I'm here for that moment. You know what? I, I get my popcorn, baby. Listen, I kind of want to see that now. I want to stack them. Just yeah, fucking yeah, stack all yeah. three of them on top. Like what, what he did with at WrestleMania yeah. with Edge and, Dan, and Daniel Bryan. Yeah. He, st- he literally stacked them and pinned them and then made a fucking shirt because the internet bitched yeah. about it. They made a shirt out I of it. I think they need to do that. I, I like that idea. Fuck them. Let's do yeah. it. It, it, yeah. it. It's a bigger heel move. Fuck yeah. that. Go with the hot hand. Put the belt on gender. <laughs> well, that's the other belt. But yes, don't hinder gender. Oh, no, no. no, no. Put that belt on gender. <laughs> oh, gender just comes out and just says, fuck it, I'm, I'm champion here. Dude, they should just put all the belts on gender to say, fuck Tony Khan. Like, you know, hey, you can't. Tony didn't learn, man. You can't hinder gender. The internet turned, like, even his fan base turned on him. You can't hinder gender. Dude, yeah. man. I, I take back everything bad I said about fucking uh, Tony Khan. He made Jinder Mahal a star. <laughs> he made him relevant once again. Uh, anyways, that's enough wrestling talk. We are at the end of the show. Thank you. And uh, I, 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 I'm going to give a little minute minute here for saying, you know, 300 episodes down. We're uh, almost in April. It'll be six full years. We'll be going into our seventh year of podcasting. The listens are good. The fact that you guys listen and stick with us, we have a lot of retention. A lot of you guys are listening. You know, we have a great Patreon community. I'm not saying you have to join it, but if you do, it's a great community, and they get a lot of extra stuff. And you know why we don't mind putting the work in? Because it's not like we're getting rich over here. No. Like I've always said, the Patreon and thankful for your Patreon, they pay for our fees to keep the free show going. You know what I mean? So we don't have to pay out of our own pocket. Yeah, I, I think them. I think most of them every time, every week at least once. <laughs> and that's why. And that's why we give them shirts and yeah. we give them different giveaways and we and that stuff. That stuff isn't covered underneath it, and it doesn't matter. Even if it was, we do that because we're just appreciative of it. And at the end of the day, three hundred is a huge episode because there's a lot of podcasts. The average podcast, as we used to joke about, doesn't make it ten episodes. And we made it 10 episodes a long time ago. And mind you, this is the 300th episode of the 3FN podcast. Yeah. That's not counting when we did 3FNW. Yeah. 607 TWS was also on this feed for a while. We did 3FNW, but not just the wrestling, but we did the two weeks and uh, two recordings a week for a while. We've done we've done a lot on this show. We've given you guys extras and bonus reviews that don't count in the in the yeah. numbering. So, like, I think if you look at our pod, mean we're like, I don't know, six, 700 fucking. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. It's, it's, it's we, ridiculous how many uh, podcasts we've put up. And we have 300. More, yeah, we have more of this show like over the course just changing things trying to do things different whatever and it it's come to be this and you guys are enjoying it so we, we don't mind doing it it's talking we get, get to go to the movies with our friends and we get to talk about them like oh, fuck the fans we're going back to the four hour format <laughs> <laughs> we're masochists i just want to point this out the last episode we did what was episode 299 of the podcast uh which was the gleaming the cube review uh, was episode total of 517 that we put on Podbean. So this is the 518th thing we put on Podbean between wrestling podcasts, between the extra bonus stuff, 518. But this is 300 episodes of the actual podcast. So 519 because of the one lost episode. <laughs> <laughs> 
The one, I, the one lost episode is <laughs> never saw the late days. Yeah. So it doesn't count because it, it, it didn't go on Podbean. It didn't go up at all. It's the, <laughs> Thank it, God that got deleted. And it's not a lost episode. We need to stop talking about it as lost. It is a deleted. It is the only <laughs> deleted episode <sighs> of the podcast. Uh, that one day might be a story for the patrons. But we ain't giving that out because it's a little Harry Carey. Harry Carey. Maybe, maybe when we're on the way out. Yeah. Maybe, maybe when the, the the cops are on the door ready to knock it down, we'll give you the quick... They shut us down, we'll, we'll give you the quick story. But 300 episodes, looking back on is awesome. Uh, we've always said that we do this for fun and to hang out with each other, but the fact that there's people who listen like you out there listening to me pontificate right now, I just want to get across how thankful we are. We like to say, say thank you when we hit the milestones. Like We'll be saying it again on the six, you know, the six full year anniversary going our seventh year. And I want to say now 300 episodes. It's fucking wild that we've been on this journey and riding. We're not slowing down. Next week, we're back with the first new movie of the year. We will be reviewing ISS next week for the 3FN Movie Club review. So that'll be the first movie review of the year. And then next, the week after that, we're going back in the Wayback Machine again because there was nothing we wanted to review, let's be honest. And the patrons have spoken and they have picked. So next, that week, you will get the anniversary of the butterfly effect. I do believe that would be the uh, 20-year anniversary? Probably 2004. 20. Yeah, so 20, 20th year. 20 years of the butterfly effect. Holy shit, I'm old. <laughs> I'm getting fucking old. Diesel. Oh, yeah. It doesn't seem like 20 years ago. Oh, can you, I can't wait for Thumper, though. Oh, Thumper was ruled. Thumper. I, I mean, I, I mean, he's done. Uh, dude, Ethan Suppley's amazing. Dude, have you seen Have you seen that uh, trailer for Abigail yet? Yes, I have. Yeah, dude, I want to see that. I'm, well, the, we're, the, we're already. That's yeah, on the yeah. that's on the docket. Yeah. Diesel's and, in because it's a vampire yeah, so, yeah. movie. Well, I haven't seen the trailer. It's, yeah. it's, a, it's, it's a. I think you'll be vampire in. ballerina. Yeah, she's so remember remember <laughs> that's the one that has uh, Giancarlo Esposito yep. and um, Melissa Barrera in it. Okay, so come to find out, it's a little different than what we thought, but it is still in the yes. it's still a vamp it's a vampire yes. like in the it's in the vein of an, an old school Hammer film even. Yeah. Yes. basically they get these groups of people to babysit this girl, <laughs> who uh, when you babysit in quotation marks is a whole other ball game, brother, because yeah. she's a vampire. Uh, and then we'll find out from there. So they didn't give, they, honestly, they didn't give too much away in the trailer. They kind of showed yeah. some cool stuff, but it wasn't whatever. Yeah. So I'm in, uh, but there's a lot of great movies coming yeah. out this year that we'll be reviewing up coming up. But the next two weeks, next week's our first new movie of the year, ISS. Week after that, the 20th anniversary of the Butterfly Effect as uh, picked by our patrons. If you want to pick movies in the future, join patreon.com slash 3FM podcast for as little as $1 a month. Get a ton of extra bonus content because they're getting uh, two rewinds this month because we are behind on one. So me and Diesel will be doing Scarface, which was technically the last one for last year. And now we know the second rewind of and the first rewind of this year will be taken the uh neam leeson classic taken we'll tell you talking about that and me and ron will be uh on 3fn horror show exclusively on patreon we'll be reviewing uh what was it uh new year evil yeah new, new year's year. evil I, this I year i gotta watch it this weekend yeah so we'll be getting those out pretty soon at the, towards the end of the month to get them out to you it's gonna be awesome and next month we got a whole another thing planned for patreon and the new feed so you know it's just great times thank you guys for allowing us to hit 300 episodes we're going even more we're heading into our anniversary in april and beyond so with that being said for myself and the guys take care of yourselves take care of each other and most importantly later nerds later cocaine is a hell of a drug terminator just sucks people <laughs>